This is Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. It's powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To start your free 14-day trial, visit shopify.com. Hey, entrepreneurs, my name is Felix, and I'm the host of the Shopify Masters podcast. Each week, we put out podcast interviews with successful e-commerce entrepreneurs or experts to give you inspiration, motivation, and actionable tips to increase your traffic and sales so your store can generate the sales you need to live the life you want. On today's podcast, you'll learn from an entrepreneur that turned his passion for art into a business. In this episode, you'll learn if you're an artist, your first step to monetizing can be offline through art shows, the business side of working with fab.com, and what it's like to sell your products through a catalog like CB2. Today, I'm joined by Eric Rosner, an art director, illustrator, and founder of theartpillow.com. The Art Pillow sells fabulous art on a pillow and was started this year in 2016 and based out of Los Angeles, California. Welcome, Eric. Thanks, Felix. Thanks for having me. Uh, so yeah, tell us a bit more about these uh, these pills that you sell, and um, just tell us you know a little more about your store and the uh, yeah the, the products that you sell. Yeah, well, I used to uh, work in New York at uh, MTV and Nickelodeon. I was a uh, animator, designer, and art and um, director of animation, and uh, we made uh, promos for on air promos to promote the channel. And um, and when I was uh, not working, I would go to a coffee store and draw. I would love to draw the scenes of New York. And uh, I would draw people and the buildings, and, um, and I just did it for hahas, and uh, people started digging it. And I slowly had shows and um, sold pieces, and it was great. It was really exciting. And then I just loved to draw, and I was starting to draw everything. Uh, New York is very, it's such a fascinating place. The history, I love the Gilded Age of New York from 1880 to 1910, and uh, a lot of famous people, Mark Twain, Oscar Wilde. So I would illustrate these buildings. And uh, they all had a unique story. And um, so I made large posters. And um, then I, uh, I got to work with a company called uh, CB2. And they did uh, posters, uh, large art pieces on um, walls. And um, I did that, like New York scenes. And I did that for a while. Then I made shower curtains and uh, pillows, too. So I sold some pillows at CB2. And then um, I worked with other places called fab.com. And they made uh, other art pieces. And um, but then I wanted to kind of do my own thing, and then I, I I was lucky enough to find a Shopify, and I said, wow, I, now I could have my own store and make my own products. So I put up this uh, this store, and uh, I found a, a manufacturer and a shipper, and I just said, let's go for it. And um, it's been really exciting. I, I love being able to have your own business. It's it's a thrilling feeling to just ha- be your own person and and make your own way. Yeah, you know, we were talking off air earlier about me living in New York, and I totally agree with you about about how much there is just going on out there. And I've heard someone say recently that every day you wake up and step outside in New York City is a new story, right? There's always something going on, and it's definitely inspiring that that way. I can see how it, uh, you know, kind of helped you kickstart your your career in this direction. Definitely. Uh, so, so you were already working, like you were saying before, uh, at Nickelodeon, I think MTV and TV Land. So you were already working in these places, and then you decided, you know, on your off time to uh, create products essentially and sell them directly to these uh, these stores and these platforms. Can you tell us a little bit about that that process? You know, because I think maybe there's some listeners listeners out there that have this kind of passion, whether it be arts or whatever they're in- interested in, maybe in their designs, but they don't know how to yet, I don't, they don't know how to monetize or how to take the steps towards, uh, you know, making a living or making some side income from their, their passion. Can you talk to us about how you took that transition from just a passion, just something you do on the side to making, making money off of it, getting someone to pay you for it? Yeah, sure. I mean, when I started, I just, I'd love to illustrate. I, I don't know why. I just, it was very relaxing after a hard day. And literally I would go to the coffee shop and just get a coffee and just draw for hours. And it was just, I just would get lost in it. <clears throat> and, um, I mean, I was surprised that as I'm drawing, people would come in and say, Hey, that's really nice art. It's like, well, thank you very much. You know, it was, it was thrilling. I mean, cause you know, I was just doing it for myself and, uh, the real big, um, um, uh, push was, when I decided, like, oh, maybe I'll have an art show. And it was, like, nerve-wracking. Like, you know, like, oh, here's my art. Would you want to show it in your art show? And, like, you know, I had to, like, really push myself to get to that next level. And it was, uh, it was, it was a big moment for me. And so I finally did it, and they said yes, and I had to show. And uh, people liked it, and they bought stuff. and said, whoa, this is awesome. I, it was, 
a thrilling thing. I mean, I love doing it. And, um, and then there was this, uh, I found this, uh, my wife showed me this catalog. It was called uh, CB2, which is part of uh, Crate and Barrel. And it was kind of like a, a younger skew of, of products. And I was looking through it and they were, and they were selling art. I said, whoa, I, I just, I got to be in this catalog. Because it was like, you know, unique art for a young, a young market. And uh, it was interesting products. I said, I, this is all me. And I said, I just, I just had to be in this, this catalog. So I, I, I literally just went on Facebook at the time. This was like about 10 years ago. And I typed, does anyone know anyone works at CB2? As out of my friends. And some guy knew somebody who worked there. He was a friend of a friend. And so I got their email and I just sent an email to them. It's like, hey, how can I get in this catalog? And uh, this woman was very nice. And she gave me um, uh, a contact. And I said, hey, I make art and I would love to be in catalogs. And then they said, oh, that's great. So, but you know, I said, oh, great. <laughs> so uh, I kept sending stuff, kept sending stuff. And it took literally about, two years to finally get, because they review things twice a year. And it took about two years to get into the catalog. And I, I remember that day I was like, I was like crying, like, oh my God, I got into the catalog. And it was just like, wow, now I'm in this catalog and they're gonna, it's gonna, my art's going to be shown to millions of people. And, I, you know, I just thought it was, that was the, the, the turning point for me. And it was a thrilling moment. And, uh, you know, I, I just, whoa, I, I loved it. And then I, I was doing more shows, selling art. It definitely takes a while. You definitely have to practice a lot. You, you always want to get better and better and, and improve your skills. And then um, I would go around New York and look for inspiration, inspirational buildings to write and finding your own niche. I mean, you, if you want to be an artist, you really have to bring something unique to the table that no one else has ever brought. I mean, that's the definition of, of an artist is to tell your story in a unique way. And, um, you know, and then I, I worked with a company called fab.com and I was selling art there and and it, it was people were buying my my art, and it's going to be hanging in their room, and people are going to look at it. People I don't know around the world. Mm. It was like whoa! I just loved it. Yeah, that that's definitely uh, an amazing uh, feeling. I can imagine. You know, I'm definitely I haven't done this, but I can imagine how amazing it would be just to know that the things that you put so much passion and work and hard work into is hanging up or on the on the couch of someone that you don't know. It's, it definitely seems a little surreal. So you dropped a lot of gems in there that I want to uh, unpack a little bit. So you said that when you first started out, and again, I want to really nail down like the very first steps because there might be listeners out there that are at ground zero that have no idea how to begin going down this route. You said that art shows was the very uh, kind of beginning of you turning your, uh, just something that you shared with yourself, maybe your friends and family. Now you're going to give it or share it with a bunch of strangers. So what was scary about that? Like why, why were you scared or worried about you know, creating an art show or, you know, showing your stuff in front of an art show? Well, I mean, I mean, I illustrate and, you know, I mean, it, it's to say you're, you're, you're an artist, you know, like, oh, it sounds kind of silly. Like, I'm an artist. I don't know. I mean, like, at the time, like I said, I was just doing it for my own self. I just loved to, to draw. And uh, I was encouraged by strangers, like, saying they liked it. And, of course, your mom's going to like it, but that's nice. But to show it to, uh, you know, present it to an art gallery... I mean, like, I was, like, really, like, scared. Like, are they going to laugh at me? Are they going to say, this is horrible? Like, who are you Mm -hmm. to say yourself you're an artist? And so I was, it was really, like, nerve-wracking. And I I remember, like, I I, I wanted, there was a store. uh, It was was actually CBG, CBGB Gallery. Uh, if you remember that old place uh, mm-hmm. in the East Vill- in the in the village, yeah, and then um, and then they had a, a gallery show every every month, and so I was waiting outside the the doors, like I was wanting to go in, and what am I going to say? You know, I mean, here's my art. <laughs> do you like it? And I just I just ha- at one point in your life, you have to either do it or not. You have to conquer your fear and just go and do it. And you know, you have to get. I mean, once you do it, of course, it's easy. But until you get over that fence, it's it's the most difficult thing in the world, but I just did it, and I just I said, yeah, "Here, do you like my art?" And she said she liked it. I said, "Oh my god!" And I had a show, and it's like, and then and then you just pat yourself on the back, and said, "Wow, I did it!" And then that gives you courage to do the next one. Of course, it's not as easy to do the next one, but you get like this. It's like a drug. Like, oh wow, I, I she liked it, and they dig it, and I'm gonna be in this show, and it's thrilling. So you just have to find your passion and just believe in yourself and just really overcome fear and, and, and practice, practice, practice. I would draw every single day for hours just to get until, until the point where you feel like I am, I really like it. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. For, Cause when you first start, it's going to be horrible. You know, it's just like, you don't know what you're doing, but every time you practice, every time you do it, you just get a little bit better and a little bit better. And, and, you know, eventually 
you'll master your your skills. So that's how I got into it for the first time. Yeah, th- that kind of practice that you're talking about also builds confidence. You know that when you're putting the kind of work that you're putting into it, the many hours that you're talking about, is it gets, becomes harder and harder to doubt yourself. Of course, there's still going to be that lingering doubt, no matter where you get. You know, I talk to entrepreneurs that are many, many years, you know, way ahead of me, way ahead of a lot of people I talk to, but they still have this kind of lingering doubt, no matter where they are, because it's all relative, right? Once you make it to the top, you're not comparing yourself to people on the top. You know, so it definitely doesn't. Go Go away, but I think we put in the work, and you you believe in your product because you put in the work. It definitely does, you know, help you with that that confidence issue. Um, so I want to learn a little bit more about these kind of shows. So when you go in, into when you uh, get, when you say quote unquote have a show, what, what's involved? Are there other artists? Like what kind of at that time? What were you? You know, I'm assuming you weren't uh, displaying your pillows at that time. Like what were you? No. Yeah. Uh, what were you? What were you showing? Um, initially, you always do group shows first. And a group show is just, you know, a collection of other artists who have uh, pieces and a different type of media. I, I always did – I love large pieces. So I would print – and this was all my Gilded Age stuff. So uh, the Gilded Age of New York, it's what my passion was at the time. It was, like I said, it was 1880 to 1910. And these buildings that uh, – I love architecture of New York. The Singer Building, uh, you know, the Penn, Penn Station, Gilsey House, uh, all these famous buildings – and they really shaped New York, and famous people would hang out there. So I would go to these buildings if they're still around and kind of feel the essence of, you know, that, that these buildings helped shape New York. And Edison, where I live, Thomas Edison lived down, uh, would, would do experiment, and Tesla lived down the street from me. It's like, whoa, these people are, you know, they shaped the world. So I would draw these old buildings, and it would be uh, on canvas. Um, so I'd draw this, the illustration, and I would print them on canvas, and it would be uh, uh, mounted on canvas uh, um, uh, uh, frames. And they're large, maybe 36 inches by 36 or 48 inches by 36, and large pieces. I, I love big pieces. And so I would take, like, you know, five or six of them, and, uh, you know, I didn't have a car, so I had to, like, get a big cart. And, like, it was very – it was stressful because you got to take all these pieces on the subway. And they're large, and people are, like, grumpy on the subway, of course. Mm-hmm. And then you don't want to break them, and then it's raining. And then you would take all these pieces, and you would hang them on the wall. And then and then you would go back and then uh, for the opening, and then hopefully people would like it. And then, and then you show them, and then you have to take them down. you got to put them right back. And then in New York, as you know, you don't have a lot of space. So I had to store them somewhere, and then hopefully they didn't get broken. So that was kind of stressful. That, the first shows were, were group shows. And then um, I did a lot of coffee shop shows like at uh, Starbucks and – oh, and then, uh, and then uh, some other shows. And a big breakthrough was I had a show in the uh, East Village near uh, NYU and it was a small coffee shop. And I had these big pieces and um, the owner called me up once and he said Alec Baldwin came in. And he loved my piece. I said, what? Are you crazy? And he loved my art. I said, wow. It was like, holy potato chips. I mean, I was like thrilled. So uh, I, he has a studio. Uh, he's got an office in uh, Rockville Center. So I sent him a piece. I said, thank you, Mr. Baldwin, for, for such nice words. And he sent me a really lovely uh, thank you card. I said, oh, wow. Alec ba- I'm connecting with Alec Baldwin. And, and his piece might be in his art apartment. And so that was great. And then so maybe a few months later, I had another show. And uh, for HaHa's, I, I emailed him and said, hey, Mr. Baldwin, I'm going to have an art show. If you'd like to come, maybe you'd, you'd like to show up. And so I went there not thinking anything, and he shows up. And I said, wow. holy, I couldn't believe it. Like, wow. And then he's engaged with my art, and he's really nice, and I'm telling him about the stuff, and he's asking questions. And it was, it was thrilling. And he, I take a picture with him. It was, it was incredible. It was, it was, that was like wow and a wow moment it was yeah that's amazing so when you had these shows or were you selling your art directly at that time too or how does that work yeah um a lot of shows uh the gallery takes a commission uh sometimes it's 50 percent, which is a bummer uh sometimes they don't take any commissions um and then you and then basically you sell it there and it has to be up if the, the usually the shows are up for like uh, a month and uh, so then you, if you if you sell it, they put a little red dot that says it's it's sold. And then when the show is over, then you uh, you get the money, and then they uh, you shit you take it and deliver it to the to the client. And uh, basically, that's it. Yeah. So you said that uh, you were mostly doing these canvas uh, prints, and you were selling them. Does that is it? Do these shows only work for that style of art, or have you seen other? I guess. Um, uh, manifestations of, of art uh, being displayed and, uh, and sold too through these art shows. 
Oh, yeah, it runs the gamut. I mean, some people do uh, sculptures, some do, people do video art, some people do, uh, um, you know, uh, mixed media. Um, but I like, um, I like to, I like large pieces. I mean, it's, it's a bummer in New York. You can't have a big space, but I like kind of like iconic in your face pieces with these buildings. And it's all about the buildings, you know, usually mm. the art, the buildings are just on like a kind of a, a very minimal background. And it's just the, the intricacies of the, of the architecture. And I, you know, I try to tell a story with the buildings and that's when I, when I have these shows, People always ask me about the story, you know, like what it was, the, what was this building? Where was it? This, that, and I love to because I love New York architecture and New York history, so I get into it, you know, like oh, well, this is that and this is that, and you know, like I said, this, like I said, the Gilsey House, which is on Broadway, Mark Twain and Oscar Wilde used to hang out there, and there's this other building where Tesla used to work, and uh, the Singer Building, which is one of my favorite buildings, and all this stuff. Everything about New York, these buildings, you know, each one is a piece in the puzzle of New York and how it went from step A to step B, you know, this led to that, that led to, lit, that led to this. And that's what I love about it because it's an intricate part of the history of New York. Right. So you said that uh, one of the keys to, to doing well was that you had to find your own niche. Like, how did you find yours? Like, how do you, uh, if someone you know, came up to you and asked you, like, how do you, they have all these ideas for the products and for art, but they don't know really how to nail it down and figure out what it is that they are about or what it is that they want to represent. How would you kind of coach them through, through that process? Right. Well, um, initially, um, like I said, when I came to, after work, I was tired. I wanted to relax. So I would buy the New York Post and I would look through the post for interesting stories. And, you know, there's all these crazy stories about people. And I love the, the, the people of New York. They're fascinating, you know. And so in the post, I, there was these profile pictures and I would draw pictures of people with interesting stories. And the stories really got me into the character of the person because I, you know, whatever, maybe it's a criminal, maybe it's a, a success story, maybe it's some tragedy. But the story really helped me develop the person. So I would draw these, these stories and I was trying to do a series called New York People. And so I draw the faces and I had to do a background. So I did the backgrounds. I did architecture. And where I was in my coffee store, I would just draw whatever was out my window. And it turned out that people like the backgrounds better than the people. Mm -hmm. So I said, oh, okay. So I reversed that. So um, I started doing the buildings instead. And then that's like, oh, wow, the buildings are fascinating. So I really just found something through the post and I would just find interesting subjects. I would, I would just get up the post every day and then look for interesting things with it with people or, or sports. I would draw sports and, and I would, and the sports part I liked because it was the dynamics of the body, you know, the way people would jump for a basketball like the Knicks or, or the football with the Jets or the Giants. And I'm looking for interesting, I don't know, imagery. And then when I found that, I would draw it because it was like a challenge. And um, to get the dynamics of, of a body, to get the dynamics of the face and the, and, the, and the emotion. And drawing the emotion was really challenging. And then, you know, I, would, uh, I had a lot of, of uh, mentor uh, idols, um, uh, Winter McKay, who was a famous New York illustrator back in the, the, turn, the turn of the century. He used to work at New York Herald, and I love his stuff. He was, he's like my biggest idol. I mean, so I would try to recapture what he would do. And, um, and when I finally got to illustrate his style, I was like, oh, wow, now I have arrived because I could draw as similar style to him. So that was a big moment for me. Yeah, so it sounds like the way that you approached it was that you were just, you know, doing what you're interested in, putting it out there, showing it to people, and people gave you feedback on what they liked. And in your case, you were interested in drawing the people, but then you had to put a background on it, background on that, on that, you know, whatever you're drawing, and people like the background more, like the buildings more. So then you focus more on on the the background and the buildings. So at what point do you just kind of say, you know, between the say, you know, screw what other people, what everyone wants, what everyone thinks, I want to focus on what I want to do versus kind of more catering to what the kind of feedback that you get. Because this almost seems like the most common issues that a lot of maybe artists have is whether they want to just do exactly what they want or, you know, when you want to transition to selling your stuff and want to start a business, you can't always do it that way, right? You have to start listening to your potential customers. So what was that process like for you? Yeah, I mean, but I mean, to, you know, to be an artist is to have your own style. I mean, uh, I mean, you want to be a unique, you want to find your own niche. I mean, um, you, I mean, 
you want to copy stuff to get started, but eventually you have to have your own voice. And if you don't have your own voice, then you're just in a sea of you know, thousands of other people. And uh, my voice was, you know, I was passionate about New York. I was passionate about history. I was really passionate about these buildings and the passion about the feeling. And uh, I was lucky because there was all these great old, old uh, pic photos of New York. And then I would look at these pictures and I would really find myself lost in them, you know, like these photos from 1910. And then they have these, and these people with, you know, co- their, 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 their clothing. And I would just look at these pictures and just get really into the moment. And I would just start drawing and illustrating things. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I, I transitioned from the people to the backgrounds because, um, you know, I was just starting out at the time, but Eventually, you just have to follow your own passion and do what you love to do, and uh, and that's and hopefully people will like it. I mean, the people did like it, so I was encouraged. But I was just I was creating what I wanted to do because I I don't know I had some inner voice or inner spirit that just drove me to do it. I, I just loved doing. It. I loved telling the story. I loved I loved uh, creating the old and giving it a modern spin. Uh, people love photography of old buildings, but – and that's another thing. I, I hate it when you see these pictures and they're all dusty and they're all they're all uh, damaged and you can just fix it up in Photoshop. You know, you clear, you can change the levels and you can change the the, uh, the saturation and really clean it up to a nice look. But people would – oh, I don't want to touch that. They have that, that dingy type of look. But I know it's, I was passionate about the, these buildings. So I, I just kept doing what I love doing and – and happily, uh, it uh, it uh, it was rewarded. Right. So let's talk about that. So you you know were doing this for yourself. You people were telling you that they liked this. So you went to art shows. You started doing art shows, and then eventually your first kind of big thing, like you were saying, was the you thought was a big turning point for you was with uh, CB2. Right. Uh, so when you got into there, and you said that you know you thought it was a turning point for you, did it turn out to be a, a pivotal moment in your kind of career? Like what what changed exactly that that you know shifted from what you were doing before? to now a different kind of game for you? Um, well, you know, I mean, um, at that moment, I thought like, oh, wow, I'm going to be in like, they print like 12 million catalogs. It's going to be in all their stores, you know? I mean, like, oh, wow, I'm going to, you know, it's when if you got like a big mo- movie role, like, oh, they're going to be calling me left and right. And, you know, no one called me. But, <laughs> you know, I went to uh, the store in one of the stores in New York and like, oh, I saw my piece there. Like, wow, there it is. You know, I was like freaking out. And uh, I don't know, I thought that would open up a lot of doors, but of course you just have to, you know, it's one door, you have to open up the doors yourself. And I saw, and they sold out, which was cool. And, and like I said, I mean, wow, now I'm in, uh, you know, they, they, um, when you do those art pieces, they only do a limited supply. So it's like 200 pieces and they sold out. It's like, wow, now I'm in 200 houses around the world. And it's like, that's crazy. And, um, and that led, that job led to another job and I did, uh, pillows and I did, uh, shower curtains and I did another piece. It was, it was, it wasn't New York. It was a Apollo 11 rocket that, uh, was on for about a year. And once again, it was in 12 million catalogs. And then I had a profile page on CB2 and it, it, it just gave me uh, validation for myself that like, wow, people like what I'm doing because when you're an artist, you know, you're working by yourself and then you're always questioning yourself. Like, is this good enough? Is this good? I mean, I, and you don't like, it comes to a point like, oh yeah, I like it. I mean, you never, val- you never value your own opinion. You're always looking for validation mm-hmm. from outside sources. And like I said, you can't rely on your mom to give you, cause she's always going to say it's great. Yeah. And so at this point, it gave me validation. Like, wow, I, I, I could sell. People like what I'm doing. And it just uh, gave me uh, energy to keep pursuing it because I, I really loved it and I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you sold these 200 pieces. Did you have to make all of these like by hand or what was that process? Like, did you, uh, you know, because obviously these are, like you're saying, millions of catalogs and you obviously had to scale up at some point. So tell us a little bit about what that's like. Right. Well, for this piece, I did... Um, it was a, an exclusive piece for them. It was the old New York um, uh, post office that was down in uh, where the governor's mansion is. Um, uh, down, um, I forget where it's uh, downtown near the ch- near a church near World Trade Center, mm-hmm. and it's this beautiful old um, post office. And sadly, it's torn down now. So I create. I want to do something special. So I created it just for them. And you make a really large piece. So I, I illustrate stuff. And then I'll scan it a very high res so it could be scaled up. 
and then I basically make a, I make the size of the piece. I think it was 36 by 48. So uh, I, I deliver the art for them, and then they will uh, print it on um, on their with their person. <clears throat> and it was funny because I was working with one guy. And uh, it, it was coming out like I think like a week before it was coming out, and then the guy I was working wor- working for said he couldn't do it. I said, "What? It's coming out in a week!" And then uh, we were scrambling. They had to find a manufacturer in Asia, but it was like, "Oh my God, uh, this is like my debut piece." So it was a little stressful. But uh, literally, you basically you um, you supply the artwork, very high res, and then they will print it on uh, on canvas for you. Hmm. Unfor- unfortunately, I can't I can't see the well. They do send me the 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 uh, sample, uh, so I get to, to prove that, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said that you know you were in millions of catalogs, and and this happened for you multiple times. And while you know some listeners out there might not be in the same industry as you, they can probably understand that feeling of being featured for the first time on some big publication, and then all of a sudden you have all of this you know publicity. But you know, like it's not like you're saying that you expected to get a lot more out of it, uh, publicity wise, or you know all these doors open for you. Uh, but it didn't kind of it wasn't like all of a sudden you're now on the scene and everyone wants to shake your hand right it was right. not yeah. that experience at all so tell us a little about maybe what you expected you know and then what actually happened and then what did you do next yeah well like i said i thought it would be a big uh, moment and um and i was contacting because at, at that time new york was going through a renaissance um you know people were appreciating the buildings and uh kind of cleaning them up and not tearing them down and i said oh wow this is my perfect moment so i was trying to contact uh, in the, in the Post and the Daily News and Newsweek and all these places. Like, here's an interesting story. You know, I'm doing all this stuff uh, mm-hmm. in the interesting take about the buildings. And unfortunately, that didn't, didn't take. But, you know, I was trying to contact uh, different places, and, um, and I wanted more. Like, once you get a taste of success, like, oh, man, I want more. And um, then I did um, uh, con- I contacted a company called Fab.com, and they were selling stuff online. So that was the first entry into uh, that type of world with uh, online marketing. I think Fab.com was one of the first to do sales like that. So um, they, they really love my, my products. Um, I was also trying to do a product with uh, a chocolate company called Jacques Therese, and I made these mugs with uh, New York buildings on it, and uh, that sold a little bit. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I was just going. I was making it up as I as I go. I mean, I wasn't experienced in this world. I was an animator and an art director, and selling products online was completely different. And I didn't really didn't know what I was doing. I was trying to find out how to get uh, you know publicity and marketing. So I was just figuring it out as I was going and reading everything on online and trying to find people who were doing it. Uh, successfully, and people were. So it's like, oh, wow, they're doing it. Maybe I could do it. So it was an encouraging and exciting to, it was, it was super exciting that, wow, I could have a career making art and selling it and worldwide. And it, that idea was just too good to give up, too good not to try. Mm-hmm. So I was just doing everything I could to make that happen. That, that's awesome. So, you know, before, I kind of want to wrap this this part up, but before we, we move on, uh, does this... Um being featured in these catalogs or magazines or publications, you know, obviously didn't just open up immediate doors for you, but did it help you get more publicity? Were you able to, it sounded like you were using the the feature or because you're in this catalog, you're using that almost uh, proof to go to other uh, publications or catalogs. Hey, look, someone already did this for me. Are you interested in, you know, work with me? Is that what you were doing with the, the initial kind of uh, push from CB2? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I did get contacted from uh, other sites, some sites in uh, in Asia who were kind of like the same, similar uh, setup as CB2. But you know, I I really didn't know what I was doing. I was I really had to figure it out at the time. I mean, I mean the 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 the, the costs and the profits and like oh, what I got. They want this. They want that. How much are going to charge? I was really trying to figure it out, and I wasn't I wasn't really knowledgeable about that at the time. So I had to figure it out, and then what. You know how to. They wanted me to make it, and they wanted me to ship it. Like what? I mean, I can't do that. It's like way too expensive. So it was initial. It was it was a great initial um, excitement. But then you know, like all right. So now what? So I had to just learn a lot more in the process and uh, figure out what my next step was. But like I said, it was validation for myself that wow, people like what I'm doing. So if it happened once, then you can do it again. Mm, yeah, it's definitely something to keep in mind that. 
don't lose, always look back on what you've done successfully, you know, rather than beat yourself up about why you aren't where you want to be, but look back at that you, you have proof that you can do this. So I think that's a, a great thing that, that you're able to hold on to. Um, so selling through catalogs, I didn't, I didn't uh, think about asking you this, but you know, there's it sound like there's a huge kind of business side to it and a lot of terms, a lot of things involved that, you know, that I'm not familiar with. I'm not sure if the audience is familiar with going through this route, but for anybody that is, can you tell us a little bit about the business side? Like what's involved when you work out these deals to sell it through catalogs? Yeah, well, they give you, um, well, there's two, two types of, um, uh, processes I had. I had the the uh, exclusive pieces, which they only make 200, and then I have the uh, multiple pieces, which would be the pillows and the uh, shower curtains. So on the exclusive pieces, you can't put that piece up for about a year, and uh, they pay you up front for all the 200 pieces, which is nice. Yeah. And then uh, whether they sell it or not, and thankfully they sold it. For the other pieces, for the uh, shower curtains and the pillows, they give you a percentage of the sales and uh, then that could be sold for however they're popular. And, and the shower curtain was great because uh, I got a lot of really – well, on the, on, you get your own, your own product page on CB2 and then there's reviews and people review it. And like, oh, wow, people reviewing it and said they love it. And on the shower curtain, they got a lot of really great reviews. They loved it. They, it was great. So those are, up, those are up for about a year or two. And then, um, and, then, like I said, and, and then it has to be exclusive too. You can't sell it anywhere else. But then when that deal is over, you wait maybe a few months and then you can, you have the, you can retain your, your, uh, your, uh, your ownership back mm-hmm. and then you can sell it again. Um, but that was cool. And then it was, it was a great, you know, like once again, they do uh, photo shoots of your product and it's on the front page and millions of people are seeing it. It's like, wow. And then I'm showing, I'm sharing with everyone, like, look at this, look at that. And uh, it's great, and, and and they review your, and now I'm kind of in the system where they review your, you, they ask for new products like twice mm-hmm. a year, mm-hmm. and then they review it, and if they like it, then they will be, it will be part of the product of the of the catalog. That's great that that opens that door for you for you to kind of re- almost keep on working with them after the first time. Uh, so how do you choose which uh, route to go down? If someone's facing this this kind of issue of whether you want to go exclusive or I'm not sure what you call the other route, but uh, where it's not exclusive, but it seems to be uh, you don't are you able to sell more through one way or the other? They were interested in it, so I said okay. So uh, we'll be exclusive. So they were. Uh, that's the deal. If you want to work with them then they have to have the exclusive mm. uh ownership not you know not for um infinitum but just for a year and if it's popular and it keeps going but yeah i mean that's that's the deal for most pieces they don't want they don't want uh if you're selling your pillow for you know such money on here they don't want it to be sold on another site for half the price which is cool i i have no problem with that i mean a lot of the stuff that i do with them, I, I make it for them. So, um, you know, I do, I do flowers, I do the architecture, I do uh, trees. So for the tree curtain, I made it exclusively for them and I didn't offer it anywhere else uh, until recently because it's, it's down now. So it's been down for about, about five months. So I might offer it uh, somewhere else or just do another one. I, I, I have a lot of products that I, that I make and it's, you know, whatever I feel is, they give you a, a, a lookbook or an ideas uh, book um, a, like a dream board of, of stuff they're thinking about, colors, ideas, um, different type of, of, of thoughts that they're having for their upcoming um, uh, products. And then you always, and it's like a year in advance. So now it would be like 2017 or 2018 that I would have to submit for. So if I, if I got accepted now, my product wouldn't be into, up until like uh, the later half of uh, 2017. Um, so, you know, you get inspiration boards and I try to, I try to make things that they're thinking about with the colors and such and make things exclusive for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, to recap, you know, you're doing this on your own, uh, art shows was the next step and then CB2. And then I think the very first step where it was mostly online was with fab.com. Right. Um, so that's the next thing I want to talk to you about. So how is uh, fab.com? Maybe explain to definitely to me and maybe to other people that aren't familiar with it. What is fab.com and how is it different than what CB2 was doing with you? Yeah, Fab.com was sort of like the beginning of these uh, online um, selling stores. I mean, now you see them all over the place, especially on on mobile. But they were sort of the first and the biggest, definitely. They got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, media, and what what they did were was it, it was like it was catered to like a young crowd, maybe twenties, thirties, uh, kind of like a CB two world. 
pillows and furniture, art, um, really unique products. And they would do like a flash sale. So you would have your, your product up there and it would only be available for maybe seven days, five to seven days. And then once it's gone, it's gone. And, uh, and it would be promoted really heavily. And then when you it would be sent out, to, they had like 10 million subscribers and it would uh, email blasts would be sent out. And uh, I had a lot, I made pieces exclusively for them. Um, and I, I, I sent it to the owner, actually. I got his email and he loved it. So he gave me, uh, uh, sent me an email right to one of his salespersons. And then they said, oh, the owner loves it. So can we, and they're, thankfully they're in New York. So I met with them. I had a whole bunch of products to, to present. Uh, they love the uh, New York stuff. And then I wanted to make exclusive stuff. So I made like these science posters, um, kind of like, uh, you know, old 1950s type of posters. So I had like on that side, I had about 20 pieces. They wanted a lot of pieces. And they were all prints, uh, all prints and, <coughs> and posters. So those were up and uh, they give you a nice uh, someone reviews it and puts that up, and it's like I said, it's promoted very heavily. And then they would give you a link to a uh, uh, um, to a service that would tell you how many sales you had that day or that hour. And it was cool, like oh wow, I got another sale. And then as soon as I got another sale, I would make the piece. Another sale, three more sales. So I'd make the pieces. So I I made a whole bunch of pieces. We sold like maybe fifty or a hundred, maybe no, it's like two hundred pieces. And then I would wrap them individually and then package them in a big box and then they would drop ship them. So uh, kind of the beginning of drop shipping. I mean, like Amazon was doing it, but uh, Fab.com was – it really was the, uh, the grand – well, the father of like of this uh, flash sale type of, um, of uh, world. And like I said, you see them all over on, on, uh, on the iPhone now, like all these individual mm-hmm. stores and uh, they're all popping up. But Fab.com was one of the first, I think – the first to start doing that. It was, it was great. Yeah, so a, a lot of questions I have for Fab.com about your experience with Fab.com, actually. So uh, to start off with, with is, was it hard to get into Fab.com? Like, what were they, what was your, it sounded like you said you emailed the, the, the founder of it, but um, was it a difficult process to, to get into there? Because it sounds like a great, you know, medium for people to, to get initial publicity, especially with their amazing reach, like the way you're talking about. But I'd imagine that they have a pretty, you know, locked down uh, process for accepting uh, new artists and new, new work. Yeah, I I was surprised actually. I mean, I forgot how I forgot how I I found out about him, but he was uh, this really interesting guy, and I found his email I think on LinkedIn, and I just literally emailed him. I had a whole bunch of products, and I try to make my products, uh, you know, in a nice environment, have people holding them like photorealistic uh, backgrounds, like in an environment. So I try to set that up very nicely, and you know, to present to him. And he emailed me, he said he loved it in capital letters. And then he sent an email to one of his uh, head salespersons and uh, she emailed, emailed me and she said, our founder loves it. Let's come in and talk. And like I said, they're in New York. And this is when they were really hitting their stride and really, because uh, they were a, a big presence in the online, uh, on, the, on the shopping world, uh, really big. They were doing fabulous. And uh, I met with uh, a few salespeople and they were very nice. I had my products and this is what we're going to do. And once again, like, like ah, you know, I was just kind of making up as I go, like, uh, here are my products. You like them? Because uh, now I'm, I'm talking to people. On, on CB2, it was all through email. Mm-hmm. And now I'm engaging with people in the flesh. And so I have to tell a story. You know, they want to know my story. Uh, so I'm an artist and I'm telling my story. And I'm, I do this Gilded Age art. And I love the New York and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and New York is, like I said, New York is hitting its stride. And I think people love it. So I'm, I have to create like a, a story to, to tell about me. And the products, and then like, and then like, oh man, now I have to make like all these products, and because I didn't have, the, I don't have a warehouse of stuff. I, I literally make them as I'm as I get the orders. So I had to find a printer, and uh, you know, he was making the pieces on on canvas, and then I had to buy all this canvas, and I had to buy all this paper. So I had to really stock up in anticipation for sales. And thankfully, you know, like I said, I got like 200 sales, and uh, it was great. I mean. It was it was thrilling. I mean, like you're making with my wife. She's helping me. I'm making these stuff. I mean, we've got all these pieces, and we've got it's people yelling. We're yelling at each other. Oh, what'd you do? This is wrong. You know, <laughs> we got to label them. We got to put names on them. It's confusing, but you know, it's it's raw and it's uh, exciting, and uh, you know, it, it's you're creating your business, and you know, it's it's looking back, you could laugh, but you know, doing it, it's like ah. 
Yeah, definitely not as sometimes not as fun going through it as as when you look back on. It. I think maybe we just uh, forget how how hard it was. Um, so you, you know these places, you know, CB2 and Fab.com, obviously amazing reach and huge marketplaces. But you almost have to constantly pitch them your new products, right? You have to constantly, like you're saying, create these stories and get them to say yes to the things that you want to sell. So now let's talk about that transition from selling through these marketplaces. I know you mentioned uh, maybe it was off air about how you sold through Etsy as well. So all of these kind of marketplaces that have huge customer bases, but at the end of the day, you're still selling through somebody. You don't own that relationship with the customer. Now you are deciding, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to start something of my own. Can you tell us about that, I guess, realization and, and you know, maybe more about why you decided to go, wanted to go off on your own and start the artpillow.com? Yeah, well, um, I was on Etsy for a while, and uh, it sounded great. You know, once again, like, oh wow, I could—it's a store. I could sell my own stuff, and they bring an audience. And like, wow, it doesn't get any better than that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just never got any traction on that. I, I read about people doing wonderful, and I was trying to like do what they do with keywords and all this stuff. Like, ah, and SEO was like really elusive. Like, how do you do it? And like I said, you know, I'm just figuring it out as I go. And then, uh, then I got a deal I was selling at the MoMA for my cards. Like, wow, I mean, people really like what I'm doing. So uh, it's just more encouragement to, to do it. And uh, then I had a, I had a, a website on um, Squarespace. And that was really for just my art and my art direction, my illustration. And then they had a small store, but it was really dinky. It didn't really do much. And uh, it was really, I really didn't think about it much. Um, and then I was listening to some guy on a podcast, um, and he was talking about his success and he mentioned Shopify and I, I kind of heard about it in the past, but I, I really didn't know anything about it. And like, uh, I don't know, but then I was, I was looking at it and I was like, oh, wow. I mean, it had all this SEO stuff built in and then you could just drag and drop your art. And the most exciting part was this app store element. And I thought, wow, this is great because it was like an iPhone store with apps, but for Shopify, Mm -hmm. all specific little niches for marketing, for SEO, to expand your store. And I think, well, this is fascinating. And, you know, it had like a little 14-day trial. So I, I put it up and I was getting people coming in the store, like just like the first day, like, whoa. And like, this is great. And it was, it was thrilling that you could have, like I said, once again, it's thrilling that I could put up this store, make my art, and sell to the world, and that could be my job. And like, wow, it does not get any better than that. And like I said, the, the energy and, the, and the, uh, the potential and the excitement and this, of the possibilities is, is just too good to pass up. So I just – I just threw myself in. I just like, and the pillow part was because I, uh, I've, I've sold pillows on, like I said, I sold pillows on CB2. I could put it on my art on there. You know, it's an interesting product. I was also selling uh, posters, but uh, I thought uh, pillows be, could be cool. I could get a good, uh, a good margin on it. I could ship it out. It's not too expensive to, sh- to, to ship. And, you know, it's a unique product for gifts. And if I made it interesting enough, I could appeal to uh, different markets. I have this skull pillow. I've got this tulip pillow. i got a cupcake pillow. So I could, att- I could attack um, young college students. I could attack kids. And I could get moms. So I could get all these niches with this pillow. And I thought it would be a good product to try. So now that you are selling your own stuff, you got to set up everything that maybe fab.com was already doing for you. Can you, you know, tell us a little bit more about that? Like what new, now that you're off on your own, what kind of systems or what kind of vendors uh, did you have to start working with to make sure this was going to run as smoothly as it was running with uh, a partner like fab.com? Yeah, well, I had to find a manufacturer and I had to find um, a ship a shipping company to do it to to work for. So thankfully, I found one uh, that does everything. So they manufactured and they shipped. So all I had to do was create the art, and um, and they would handle the rest. And it actually were tied in to Shopify. So oh whoa, and so I had that. So I had the I had the storefront, I had the manufacturer, and I had the shipper. I have everything now. All I just need is the customers. <laughs> so. <laughs> So that was the part that was fun. So I had no idea about SEO, uh, and I had tried to figure it out for a while. I just I never grasped it. So I, I started diving back into it, watching videos, reading stuff, and and uh, the, and then there was this really great app on Shopify. It, it was like a contest. 
So you could offer your product for, for, in a contest and they would, they would promote it. And wow, I got like 600 emails for people who wanted to, to win this pillow. I said, wow. whoa, then there's your, your, your first, there are your customers right there. They're, and it was a two, uh, two-part system. They had a sign-in that they liked it and then they had to verify their email. So they really had to be into it to, to do it. I'm not just to click and, and leave. They had to like do this two-step process. And so you get their emails and then you could market to them and then you could build on that. Say, oh, wow, now I have an audience. So, I mean, it was really, and the bad part about it is like there's tons of apps and then you like, there's too many. You got to try to figure out which ones are good and which ones are, are, are beneficial. But, uh, and then I'm, I'm doing this blog post. I'm making a, uh, I made a cartoon called The Pillow Boy to kind of like make content. I'm doing videos for my video, my, my skull pillow. And, you know, it's all me. You know, I can do everything. I can be innovative. I can be creative. I could do it all, you know, and I could change it up. And it's, no, not to the, the, the glam on this point, but just, it's thrilling, man, that you could sell products to the world and the world will, will engage with you and you could respond. You could talk to customers. They love your product. I, it doesn't get any better than that. It's just all you. You make it happen. You are the creative. You change it up. It's, it's, it's so cool that I just, it has to work because I want it to work. It's just so exciting. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the manufacturer and that fulfillment company that you found, how did you, how did you find them? And were they like specifically working on products just like yours or was it like, you know, what was that, uh, I guess, how, how involved were they in the industry that you were already in? Yeah, there's a few of them now. There's like um, Cafe Press, there's Zangle, there's Printful, there's uh, Printfly. There's a lot of them and they make products. So they will print on t-shirts, they'll print on uh, posters. There's tons of them, tons of them. Um, and they, you know, iPhone covers, iPhone cases. Uh, there's one that actually does shower curtains. I, I may do that. So they, you get a base price and you, you, you uh, lift it up for uh, retail prices and you make it uh, interesting. And if people like, it, I mean, that's how everyone does it. You know, there's a company, um, Alibaba, uh, that uh, will make products that it helps you find products made in, in Asia and they will print any, make anything you want. I mean, it's a lot much more expensive if you want to uh, do that, but uh, you can get any like hoverboards. They were, you could put your own art on a, a specific hoverboard and that would be your own uh, thing. It's called private labeling. Mm-hmm. So if you have an, if you have a, um, your own logo, they make these hoverboards and like there's tons of, you know, those popular hoverboards. There's tons of manufacturers now. So they'll make a, a blank hoverboard and they'll put your art on it or your label or your whatever. And then you, that's your brand. And then you try to make uh, a brand out of that or anything, um, uh, shower curtains or any products is can be created now. And it's just all your personal branding and your, and the art has to sell it. You know, you could have the world's greatest product in a bottle, but if it's a boring bottle, I mean, who cares? I mean, it has to have some type of brand or some type of story because the guy next to you has this cool art on their product and maybe his product's not as good, but it's an interesting brand, interesting story. And people will probably buy that as opposed to a, you know, a blank bottle. Yeah, definitely. That kind of designs on, on your on your packaging and everything is all part of your marketing. And if you can't sell your product through there, then people never try it out in the first place. So it, it's definitely something that you have to get in order uh, if you want to, you know, uh, do this successfully, especially in the industry that you're in. Um, so you, you mentioned a couple. You mentioned a couple apps, a couple of services. Can you tell us a little bit more about the other Shopify apps that you use? I definitely want to hear about the contest one that you're talking about, and any others that you you rely on. I love one's called Fishbowl, which is great. Fishbowl prizes. That's the uh, contest one, which is really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then that will uh, they have a website, and uh, you put your product that you want to offer for the contest, and then they people respond to it, and you get a, you get their email list. It's great. Uh, another one, it's a free tool called uh, Sumo Me, which is a lot of uh, analytics analytics type of tools. Uh, it shows you hot spots and it shows you uh, different how how much people have read on your on your site. Uh, it's there's some type of traffic type of app that brings people in, which is cool. And there's another there's a lot of really Mailchimp uh, plugin SEO. It tells you your your product, if your SEO is configured correctly, uh, Vantage is like analytics. Uh, Printful is a great one for printing T-shirts. Uh, there's one, Sounddesk, which is like a, a mail campaign app. 
there's Google Shopping. There's another one that's just good. And there's a ton of Teespring, which is for T-shirts. And then uh, there's a lot, of one, a lot of ones that are affiliate marketing ones. Find It Quick is a good one. Oh, and Build a Business one is the one that Shopify's. That's sort of like you're on their, their website. And then there are a lot of people with uh, tips and tricks and their own stories. So there's tons of them. I mean, there's and, uh, tons every day. And it's like I said, it's like a little overwhelming. Like, ah, so many. Uh, I try to weed through the ones that are interesting. And then a lot of them are free to try. Uh, a lot of them are, you know, you got to pay. But, you know, if they, if they help you out, they bring traffic and customers, it's well worth the price. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So what are, what are the plans for the remainder of this year? You know, like, you're, like we were saying earlier on, uh, you know, you finally made this transition to opening up your own, your own store. What do you want to focus on in, for the remainder of this year? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm slowly getting better at SEO. I'm uh, figuring out the, the keywords and, you know, the H1 tags and uh, the content and all this stuff. So I'm, I'm really, that's my main goal is to uh, do that and then um, <clears throat> build my little brand. Um, I'm, I've, you know, created my own Instagram site for the Art Pillow. I've created my own Facebook page for the Art Pillow. And uh, all these other various sites. So I'm, I, I have a lot of followers all over the place. So I'm trying to get them excited. I, I love the idea of engagement. I love offering contests. I, I now, and I only try to have like a few products on the on the site at once because I don't want to be. I don't want to have like uh, people be overwhelmed with products. So I try to offer like maybe four a month, and then every month there's a new one. But I don't know that might change. But now I, but I love experimenting. So I do a lot of photorealistic art. Uh, on these pillows and try to make, look, make it look in, in, as as professional in the background as possible. And then I send it out to all my fans and people who, who like my store and try to get their feedback on it. And and I thought maybe an idea was, you know, this exclusive pillow only available on Facebook or only available on Instagram for like a month, like, you know, like a, like the fab.com um, model, like oh, this is only available for 30 days or whatever. Or it could be a con. Uh, now I'm going to do, um, a big uh, concept to to product. So I will. I'm going to film something where I come up with an idea. Maybe I'll be walking around the streets and like here's a a flower and I'll, I'll take a picture of it and then I'll illustrate it and then I'll make the whole product on video. You know and like uh, put it together and then I'll offer it for someone could win. So that could be and if people you know sign up for my email or you know like my page or share it, they'll be entered in this contest. So I'm trying to do innovative things like that try to build a brand. Like I said, I've only been up for maybe a month and a half. So it's still, I've had a few sales um, and I'm excited about it. I'm figuring out as I go. I'm definitely not an expert in this e-commerce field. So I'm trying to f- learn as much as I can, learn from great podcasts like like you offer. Um, Shopify has these really wonderful uh, videos and there's a lot of people all over the internet who share their stories. And I'm really encouraged by what they're doing and like, oh, wow, if they could do it, I can do it too, you know? So I'm trying to, to, to get that momentum and just this, this initial year is just to build up the brand and get people interested and hopefully that'll lead to more sales. Awesome. Thanks so much, Eric. So theartpillow.com is the website. Anywhere else that you recommend a listeners check out if they want to follow along with, with uh, what you're doing, what you have planned for this year? Nope, that's about it right now. Cool. Yeah, I think all your social stuff is all linked at the bottom of your your page at theartpillow.com anyway. So cool. Thanks again so much for your time, Eric. Thank you, folks. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com for a free 14-day trial.